0: Welcome to the Mainline Podcast. I'm Adam Jacquez, joined by Tyler Burton this evening. Got a lot to talk about. Got a new quarterback commit for the football team in 2025. We've got softball and baseball doing some pretty cool things right now. We'll talk a little bit about that top 10 matchup with Florida State for softball. Women's basketball, we got a full preview of what the outlook is for them in the NCAA
1: tourney. But before we jump into that, Tyler, how are you doing? doing good, man, out here in Denver, enjoying the uh, sunshine and warmer weather. It's been in the 50s and 60s the last couple of days, so trying to soak all that up. Played a little bit of golf yesterday. First time getting to experience uh, a round of golf living in the state of Colorado. Absolutely enjoyed it, so just, like I said, enjoying the sunshine right now. I've got some snow, looks like it's going to be coming in in the next couple of days, and we've got a lot of good stuff to talk about. Uh, new quarterback hopping on board uh, with Oklahoma 2025 class uh, women's basketball. Uh, five seeds starting the NCAA tournament March Madness this upcoming weekend. Softball is in a dogfight right now against the top 10 Florida State team. And by the way, baseball is kind of on fire right now. So lots to touch on, Adam, but let's start with football uh, and dive into the uh, 2025 quarterback, Kevin Sperry, OU's newest commit.
0: Yeah, definitely kind of a surprise. I think he that for, at least for me and probably a lot of OU fans came on the radar what, like two weeks ago when OU yeah. offered him, maybe not even that long ago. And uh, he's already committed here on uh, March 13th. Late last night is when it happened. And it, it was kind of interesting because it seemed like there was a lot of momentum for the 2025 quarterback to probably come in state. You had uh, Grady Adams, uh-huh. uh, not too far away from where I sit right now, but uh, Deer Creek. Uh, Edmund Memorial's got a good quarterback in David McComb. Enid's got a quarterback that's offered by Oregon. You've got some guys from Tulsa still. Um, So there's a lot of D1 quarterbacks in the state of Oklahoma in the 2025 class. Uh, But Jeff Levy actually goes just south of the border to Prosper, Mm -hmm. Texas. uh, Rock Hill, specifically the high school there, which I did actually look up their high school today. It's so crazy because I don't I think you went to a private school in high school, right? Yeah. Yeah. in Texas. they have a Sonic and a Pizza Hut in their high school, which is wild to to me to think about <laughs> as, as someone who was homeschooled in high school. Um, but
1: uh, it's like, wow, that would have been nice to have a Sonic in my home. But um, yeah, that's, Adam, that's, that's, that's the type that, of high school it is. That's just a normal thing at a high classification uh, school in the state of Texas. So yeah, coming out of uh, Rock Hill in the uh, Frisco, Texas area, 2025 quarterback Kevin Sperry, six foot one, 190 pounds. Yeah, kind of a guy that you know, we've, there's been so much talk about, you know, 2024, when's Michael Hawkins going to pull the trigger. And then in a matter of about seven to 10 days, Oklahoma, you know, offers this kid and now they've got their 2025 quarterback in the boat. So uh, first commit for the 2025 class, actually the f- first uh, commit that Oklahoma's had, you know, even 2024 is still sitting in a goose egg right now. We expect that to change in the coming weeks, but um a really good fit for what Jeff Levy likes to do schematically, offensively. Not the biggest guy in the world by any stretch of the ima- imagination. Uh, about six foot one, I think is what Rivals has him listed at. 190, 195 pounds. But he's just now going into his junior year. He's going to continue to grow, uh, fill out that body. When you turn on the huddle tape, Adam, you watch this kid's film. I think the thing that immediately sticks out to me when I watch this kid is the way that Kevin gets rid of the football. Super quick release, good pocket awareness, hasn't, you know, hasn't ran the ball a ton so far in his high school career but you can see when he gets out of the pocket uh, as a ball carrier he has the ability to make plays with his legs. So this kid is only going to continue to get better these next two years before he puts on an Oklahoma Jersey. Uh, very very excited about this kid and I think I uh, think it's only going to get better uh, the more time that he continues to grow and mature uh, and once he you know be, once he is now an upperclassman uh, up there at Rock Hill.
0: Yeah, I like some things that I saw from his sophomore tape. Uh, some things that you don't typically see from those younger quarterbacks, like keeping his eyes downfield. Uh, he doesn't have the greatest offensive line, but he's mm-hmm. he's constantly looking to make that pass and, no. and finding ways to get it, you know off. And you can tell he's a guy that likes Patrick Mahomes the way he throws you know off platform a lot. Uh, when he does run the ball, I, he's not necessarily the fastest guy. I'd say mm-hmm. from a comparison perspective, and and don't read into this too much, but I see a little bit of Baker Mayfield in the sense that. He's just productive when he runs. He, You can tell yes. he's not going to run away from anybody. Um, he's not going to be flashy or make a lot of guys miss, but he is productive uh, when he does run. So yeah. we'll see what that translates to as he gets older, as he uh, matures and gets to college, and he becomes uh, even less of a, of a fast mm-hmm. guy um, with better athletes out defending him. But I think it'll be interesting to see him grow over the next couple of years. He's at a school mm-hmm. in, in uh, Rock Hill uh, there in the Prosper, Texas area, just north of Frisco. And they're at the highest level in in Texas high school football. So they're actually in the same division as Denton Guy or where Jackson Arnold Mm -hmm. came from. So they're playing some of the big boys there. They didn't have a great record last year, three and seven. I'm curious to see if not only does he stick at that high school uh, because he could potentially go to somewhere like Allen or McKinney or something like that's a little bit bigger, maybe has a better Mm -hmm. ability to win a Texas high school uh, state championship. But if he does stick, is he able to raise that you know, program up and, and take him to a playoff run, potentially someone that mm-hmm. is, is kind of a newer high school doesn't have any track record of success. Um, but if he is what we think he could be, you know, a potential five star, uh, mm-hmm. can he do something big like that?
1: yeah for sure and i think that that's one of the things that makes it you know so appealing you know kevin sperry coming out of that dallas area where you're playing in the highest classification highest competitive you know brand of high school football in the country uh you mentioned you know being in the same division as dent guy the you know the school that oklahoma just pulled jackson arnold out of it's going to be a lot of fun watching kevin sperry go up against dent guy i apologize uh Got the uh, squeaker toy in the background. I should have taken that away from him. Dog making an appearance. But it's going to be a lot of fun watching Kevin Sperry and this Rock Hill team uh, take on Eli Bowen uh, in that denton Guyer squad uh, this upcoming season. Hang on one sec. Adam, keep this thing going. Let me take that toy away from him. I apologize. One second.
0: Yeah. I think for me with, with Kevin Sperry, he's a guy that, you know right now um he it's kind of a little bit of unknown he's he just got a 3 star ranking from rivals and it's unknown i guess you know where he might end up finishing he's he's a guy that committed to OU super super early about 3 months earlier than what Spencer Rather committed to OU back in mm-hmm. i guess it was 2017 2018 when when Rather committed so he's very very early in the process at this point and it's you know, it's kind of hard to grasp onto. Like, is he going to be a a mid four star? Is he going to be a low five star? Like what, what does he end up being right now in the rivals 100 for the class of 2025, there's six different quarterbacks already in that. Um, He's not one of them, but if you go back and look at past, uh, you know, records as far as, or I guess past OU quarterbacks that have committed to Oklahoma, Um, there's a, there's a wide variance there. Like Spencer Radler was a top 75 guy by his sophomore year. Caleb Williams is a top 20 guy by his sophomore year on the flip side. You've got Jackson Arnold who wasn't ranked at all as a sophomore. And then as a junior, uh, only then did he break the top 200. He ended up finishing, I think at one point as high as 13 in rivals. And I know he's much higher on other platforms as far as, as far as that rankings go. Um, Kevin Sperry, I think is a guy that will get a lot, you know, more looks this season, because he's the guy that's committed to Oklahoma. He had offers mm-hmm. from big-time schools in Oregon and Texas A&M and Tennessee, um, but Rock Hill's not a program that, that uh, you know, scouts and analysts are going out to watch very often. So right. I think he'll get a little bit more focus on um, this season, and I could certainly see him rising in the ranks considerably.
1: And I think one of the things that's also kind of really interesting when you you kind of evaluate Kevin Sperry, you turn on the tape, you can see the pattern in the quarterbacks that Jeff Levy recruits and likes to coach, you know, going all the way back to Matt Corral and then coming to Oklahoma, Dylan Gabriel, Jackson Arnold, and now Kevin Sperry uh, in what we hope is going to be the, you know, not just the 2025 uh, quarterback but also with 2024 With in just a couple couple weeks we've got My- Michael Hawkins uh, making his commitment announcement so I, I think that there's definitely a um, there's definitely a prototype quarterback the Jeff Levy you know there's certain characteristics and traits that he likes his quarterback to possess uh, w- whenever it's time for them to execute his offense and I think that Kevin Sperry is just kind of the next in line uh, I'm not sure if Jeff Lebby will still be coaching at Oklahoma in 2025 when he steps on campus. We'll save that conversation for another day. But like you mentioned, Adam, offer list: Baylor, Florida State, A and M, Oregon, Ole Miss. I mean, even though this kid is just a three star at this point in time right now, he is still, you know, just a, what's going to be going into his junior season. So a lot of time for him to mature. Like we know, with any any time um, somebody is offered by the University of Oklahoma, any time that somebody commits to the University of Oklahoma. 120 other schools once they see that the flag goes up and they immediately go on there if they don't know who this kid is by now they're immediately going to their computer and they're watching the tape to see do we need to offer this kid do we need to try to get in on this guy he's obviously good enough to play at Oklahoma could we possibly try to you know throw our our hat in the ring and see what he could do for us but uh, one last thing and we'll touch on this Adam the impact that this has on recruiting. Yes, I know that we're still 2 years away. 2025 is, you know, it's it's kind of in the it's kind of on the back burner right now. We're focused on 2024, but the elite quarterback and whether it's been Spencer Caleb Williams, Jackson Arnold, the elite quarterback is always the face of your recruiting class. That's just the nature of the business. Getting this guy on board so early in the process now gives Oklahoma a chance to really get a jump start on the 2025 class because Kevin Sperry can start working on guys, especially in that DFW area, wanting those guys to come join him in Norman. Uh, so we'll see uh, what uh, if, if Oklahoma can capitalize on this early commitment uh, and pick up some momentum in that class.
0: Funny you should mention that because, uh, I just noticed Zadavian Sims, uh, the defensive lineman out of Durant, which is not too far away from prosper actually just, uh, retweeted uh, with the eyeball emoji, Kevin Sperry's commitment. And there's a lot of other, uh, defenders in that Dallas Fort Worth area that, um, you know, OU's doing pretty well with defenders right now, but having Mm -hmm. a star quarterback in the class is kind of that, that impetus that helps the entire class fill out, uh, you alluded to Michael Hawkins a minute ago. He's going to be announcing his commitment uh, here at the beginning of April. All signs seem to be pointing towards Oklahoma after uh, he just recently visited the Sooners. His younger brother got the offer as a defensive back. So it looks like those are your two you know, quarterbacks in the next two classes. A lot of things could change. We've seen guys like Brock Vandegrift say, yeah, my, my word is as solid as oak, and then you know, he decommits not too much after that comment. Uh, so things could certainly change, but I guess you could look at it one or two ways. Kevin Sperry didn't take long to make that decision to commit uh, to OU as soon as he got that offer. Maybe that means he's been uh, locked into OU for a long time. Maybe it means he didn't really think it through. We'll, we'll see as, as time will tell, but let's just assume for now that Michael Hawkins and uh, Kevin Sperry are the two guys that come in over the next two classes. If you had to make your bets right now, which player do you think has a more meaningful sooner career?
1: Well, I definitely think you know at this point in time, right now on March 14, thousand twenty-three, I think it's pretty clear that Michael Hawkins probably has the higher ceiling with what he can do, just with his athleticism, not just on the football, but you know the difference maker that he can be, you know, running the ball as well. There's a lot of similarities to Kyler Murray when you turn on this kid's tape, not just the uh, the Allen High School uniform that he wore, uh, but I, I think that one of the things that could almost be, you know, kind of a little bit of a, a, a one of the downsides to Michael Hawkins is you're going to be an incoming quarterback, one recruiting class after Jackson Arnold, who it's kind of already been said, you know, after Dylan Gabriel, if, you know, or it could be sooner than that, after Dylan Gabriel takes his final stab at Oklahoma, Jackson Arnold, you know, is the apparent heir to the throne of the quarterback position in Norman. So I think at this point right now, it's probably a little bit, it's definitely way too early to say, but I mean, just looking at the looking at the tape, watching these kids, how they perform so far throughout their high school career, I definitely think that Michael Hawkins is the better player player but ask me this you know this time next year after we see what Kevin Sperry does uh his junior season uh at Rock Hill yeah kind of kind of straddle the fence a little bit that was kind of the, <laughs> yeah. the politician answer there but
0: I don't well, know I'll go hard the other way I'll take Kevin Sperry in this particular situation simply because he's two years removed from Jackson Arnold's class. And so Mm -hmm. I think he may have more opportunity, more runway to have, you know, the reins of the the quarterback position in Norman, Uh, whereas Michael Hawkins might have a harder time getting playing time since he's only one year past Jackson Arnold. Mm
1: -hmm. So
0: really it's just a timing perspective. If they were flipped, I might go with Michael Hawkins in that scenario, but uh, we (laughs) shall, we shall see. Let's talk a little bit about baseball. Um, Super hot right now. Yes. And I guess I, they're maybe throwing a little bit of water on that because as we're recording, they're playing Wichita State, uh, not currently winning that particular ball game. It's a midweek eh. game. It's college baseball. You know, that's kind of how things go. But uh, the Sooners, you know, as we record this, have won, I think, nine out of their last 10, swept the series at Houston this, uh, this past weekend, uh, swept the midweek series against UNLV, had a great Frisco College Baseball Classic, which we talked about on last week's podcast. Uh, but this team is super hot right now.
1: Yeah, no doubt about it. And I mean, again, let's kind of pump the brakes just a little bit. Oklahoma, I mean, over the last few seasons, OU just simply does not play well in Wichita Kansas against the Shockers. So, but but let's not you know kind of take away from the fact of how good this baseball team has been. You know, over the last two to three weeks, just looking at it, Adam, uh, one nine out of their last ten games are coming off of a three game sweep over Houston, where they outscored the Cougars twenty eight to ten, and just kind of going up and down this lineup, Adam. You know, some of the the production that we're getting from some of these guys, especially the youngsters, start starting with freshman catcher Easton Carmichael who was just named the Big 12 newcomer of the week. He hit 571, two home runs, two triples. He's actually leading the Big 12 right now in triples. That's that's unbelievable, especially for a catcher um, <clears throat> leading OU to a 5 and 0, you know, week last week. But most impros- most impressively, Adam, when you look and see what Carmichael's doing and how well he swung the bat over the weekend against the Cougars eight for 14, one home run, two triples, eight RBIs. It's, it's sky is the limit for what this kid can do as long as he's able to stay healthy. And then a couple other key contributors as well Anthony McKenzie swinging the bat extremely well, hitting over 400 through the first month of this season, 12 stolen bases on the year. Uh, Dakota Harris, who I know that you're extremely high on, uh, you know, high on Adam. And, you know, I, I can remember from our interview with, uh, you know, Johnny Baseball and talking about Schultzy, there's a lot of expectations for Dakota Harris, what he can do, especially, you know, as he's becoming more and more comfortable, you know, swinging the bat Uh, playing the field being a you know a key contributor not just a you know not just a guy in the lineup but a guy that Oklahoma can rely upon game in and game out to game in and game out excuse me to be a difference maker Uh, and then Adam something that kind of goes unsung is kind of the on-base percentage and Bryce Madron doing a terrific job so far this year getting on base he actually leads the Big 12 right now with 27 walks so far this season so biggest way to uh to score runs get people on base time things up for you know the sweet spot in your line just be able to drive in some runs absolutely ex- super excited with what we're seeing out of this oklahoma baseball team especially so early on in the uh in the season
0: yeah bryce Madron. i had him in my notes here last time i saw he was second in the entire nation in, in the amount of walks yeah. he's a guy that hasn't had a ton of success at the plate just yet and and don't get me wrong. Like he hit a home run this weekend against Houston. He's productive. Um, but I don't think he's hit, you know, his stride or his full potential of what he can do actually, you know, putting the ball in play. Yeah. But the amount mm-hmm. of walks this guy's is drawing is, is incredible. It kind of reminds me of, uh, Blake Robertson last year, uh, our first baseman, who was probably our best hitter, our best offensive player for much of the early part of the season. Uh-huh. And so I'm hopeful that Madren's bat really comes along strong in the the second half of the season because that can be a, a nice piece that you add that in. Uh, Spikerman still hitting below 200. He's making some good contact, but he just hasn't found the, the hits just yet. And we know the damage he can do when he gets on the bases. And that really, between the speed of, of Spikerman and Madren, McKenzie, um, you know, is, is 11th in the nation in stolen bases uh, with 10. At this point, so you've got a lot of guys that can create that chaos on the base paths. You're not mm-hmm. going to see the the stats necessarily reflect the offensive power of this team because they're not going to hit a ton of doubles or triples or home mm-hmm. runs. Really, um, they're going to get those singles, get on base create that chaos element of stolen bases, errant throws. Uh, They're just putting that pressure on the opposing pitchers and the defense to be absolutely perfect because there's so much speed and there's so much aggressiveness on the base paths that um, OU really is, is kind of becoming that offensive juggernaut that we saw at the end of last season. Um, And we're seeing it pretty early and often right now. Now on the flip side, pitching has been a little bit slower, not, not necessarily bad, but kind of just, You know, average, I would say at best, Mm -hmm. but against Houston, we saw some really good performances. All three starting pitchers throughout the weekend uh, went into at least four or five innings. In most cases, some of them went even further. And so I think that's an encouraging building block, regardless of the fact that Houston probably isn't that good. Um, But we're starting to see some of that starting pitching come along. Paired with some of those middle relievers and Jet Lotus and uh, Carter Campbell and Carson Atwood, who's, I think Carson Atwood get, did get the start tonight against Wichita State. So you're seeing some guys start to find their roles as those middle relievers, add that into some of the arms that are, are currently injured and coming back here in the middle of the year. And I think this team could really become a real, real strength in the Big 12 here very soon.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I know, Adam, that with Oklahoma winning nine out of their last 10 games, a lot of people were claiming for, okay. It's time for Oklahoma to enter the top twenty-five rankings. That obviously did not happen with those rankings coming out yesterday. But you do have an opportunity this weekend. And we're going to kind of we're going to kind of throw the Wichita State game that's in progress right now. Kind of throw that off to the side a little bit. Everybody's already kind of looking forward to the matchup this weekend with the the TCU Horn Frogs ranked in the top twenty-five. They're coming to El Dell Mitchell Park this weekend, and what's going to be probably one of the premier series in the country this this weekend in college baseball. The Horn Frogs. Are Now, despite, you know, the nine and six record are ranked in the top 25, got off to a really nice start this year, opening up with a pair of wins over Vanderbilt, over Arkansas, both of which were ranked in the top 10 at the time. And Adam, when you go down and you kind of look at these two teams on paper, you know, statistically very, very similar with what they're getting both, you know, production wise from their pitching staff, but also from their lineup as well. Uh, ERA right now, OU staff sitting at a 4.43 TCU, just a little bit better at 4.21 on the flip side, however, though, batting average with what these two teams are doing, Oklahoma collectively is a squad hitting 303 right now, just a little bit better than TCU's 0.274. So when you've got two teams that are so close, it's gonna be the the situational hitting. It's gonna be which team doesn't make, you know, the critical error, who, you know, plays small ball, who's who steals a base now and again to set themselves up for a base hit to, you know, to to get that. Uh, extra run that's going to be a difference i think it's shaping up to be a really really good series and one of the things that i am super excited for is now that the expert not not saying that expectations are higher now but we see that this this oklahoma baseball team is playing extremely well in the month of march now you're going into conference play in the big 12 against tcu who has like i said they were one of the you know two to three favorites uh, at the start of the season What's the OU pitching staff going to look like this weekend? Can they respond to having that home field crowd? Can they take advantage of playing in Norm this weekend uh, and you know put put together three strong performances from their starting pitching uh, before they hand things over to the bullpen?
0: Yeah, oh, a series win against TCU this weekend would be enormous for this team. TCU is the top ranked team in the Big Twelve right now at number Absolutely. eleven. Absolutely, uh, OSU may end up being the better team. Maybe Texas Tech ends up being the better team maybe Oklahoma ends up being the best team in the big 12, but right now TCU is the top dog in the big 12 and they've played a schedule that, uh, you know, has really prepared them. Well, they've already played Louisville. They've already played, uh, Vanderbilt. They've played Arkansas. They've played several good teams. They haven't won all of those games, um, but they've played some really high quality competition at this Mm -hmm. point. OU's best opponent that they've played. I think might be Ryder at this point. I think Ryder's got a great chance to win their conference and be in the NCAA tournament. Cal, um, went out after OU beat them and kind of dropped an egg in a weekend series against Arizona. Ohio state doesn't seem to be that good. Mississippi state is, is not what they normally are. So uh, I think at this point, Ryder is the best team that OU has played. So OU is really untested in, in a lot of ways. And they're really, you know, they got off to that slow start. And now they're hitting their stride. And so I think their stats are a little bit skewed. OU is performing a little bit better than those stats, those stats indicate. But at the same time, you look at those TCU stats and go, well, those are against much better competition. So I think this is a huge opportunity for OU. Now, TCU had a few arms that uh, were, were out last weekend. We'll see if all of them are able to perform mainly middle reliever type roles. Um, so if OU can, you know, come out with that chaos mentality and eat through some of those arms quickly on Friday. I think they could set Mm -hmm. up really well for uh, success uh, against the Horned Frogs. And it's kind of unfortunate the weather's not going to be super great. It's going to be 47. It's going to be sunny. Um, But guess what? It's not sunny and it's 47 at softball and that's a packed house right now. So no excuses for Sooner fans. This is an absolutely massive matchup. I think one that if OU can win, can really propel them mm-hmm. uh, to go really far uh, in, in you know the rest of the Big 12 conference play. Um, we'll see what postseason looks like once we get to the end of the year. But uh, this could be a massive win because you set up with a series against K-State after this. Uh, you've got Baylor early on. So you could really be cruising into the meat of the Big 12 conference with a ton of momentum. And this mm-hmm. is a critical series for that.
1: Yeah, couldn't agree with you more. I think you said it perfectly, Adam, you know, talking about the crowd that is currently at Marita Hines Field watching OU softball with a 5-4 lead over Florida State as we speak. That place is always packed. You have an opportunity this weekend. Soft, softball is going to be playing up in Oklahoma City. Basketball is going to be is finished. Uh, there's really nothing else going on athletics-wise in Norman at this point. So come on out. Watch this, this baseball team playing extremely well right now. And do want to you know f- kind of uh, talk tickets here for a second, Adam. This is kind of our background. But there is a special deal going on right now for $5 tickets to come out to a game this weekend. So – Bring the family out, pack the cooler. If you don't want to pay the five bucks, sit out in right field. You know, take advantage of the burn. Watch this OU baseball team take on the uh, take on the Horn Frogs, uh, and let's create a really good home atmosphere.
0: Yeah. One team that's not going to be playing at home is women's basketball. Ooh. They're going out to Los Angeles. Um, not the greatest performance in the big 12 tournament, in my opinion, um, won by the skin of their teeth against TCU a one point victory. This team's kind of been playing with fire, not playing their best basketball here at the end of the year. In my opinion, uh, that showed against TCU showed when they lost to Iowa state. Mm-hmm. Um, before and even in the regular season, they had an overtime win against K State. So, um, just kind of, I wouldn't say coasting by, but just not playing the cleanest, you know, best basketball that they can at this point. I know they're dealing with a little bit of injuries. Maddie Williams got banged up a little bit at the end of the season. Ana Unusa um, had a little uh, minor injury of some kind in warm ups before Iowa State. She came out and still played, um, but you never know how that might have affected her. And so now you uh, missed out on the opportunity to host. Uh, you know, NCAA tournament games in Norman, you're going on the road, potential second round matchup against UCLA in their place. But before that, you've got the Portland pilots, which I think is a great name, not airline pilots or anything like that. Boat pilots, that's, that's Portland, Oregon. And so um, there are 13 uh, or sorry, a 12 seed. I wouldn't think of this matchup too much like we do for the men's bracket, where 12s always upset fives. There's a lot more difference in those types of teams in, in, in women's sports here. Um, but Portland's a team that they've played a lot of good teams. They've played a lot of Pac 12 teams out there. Gonzaga's in their conference. Um, they mm-hmm. ended up being Gonzaga in the Western, uh, West Coast uh, Conference there to win the tournament and to get in. I don't know that they would have made it otherwise. Um, but yeah they just they don't have a whole lot of skins on the wall as far as um big victories
1: yeah and I think once you know once march madness you know comes around particularly on the women's side of things, I think it's a lot different than the than the men's bracket, whereas you know kind of in women's basketball, there's really you know five to eight teams. That are you know kind of you you know kind of one to two steps better than everybody else. There's a huge gap. There's a huge drop off. Uh, you know once you kind of get past the you know the top eight or nine teams. So you know looking at the game this upcoming weekend, you know Oklahoma taking on Portland. I think that probably the biggest thing that could give OU a little bit of momentum, you know, not just the fact that you're getting up to be playing in the NCAA tournament, but it's the fact that you're not having to play a Big 12 opponent for the same time, you know, for the last three months. So, you know, once you kind of get into, you know, the closing stretch of the Big 12 schedule – Everybody knows everybody. You've played these teams multiple times, you know, throughout the year. You know, these teams know what you're gonna know what you're gonna do. It's just simply a matter of who's gonna execute the best. So I think that this will be a time for, you know, Ginny Baronche's group to go out there. They're gonna be re-energized. They're gonna be well rested. Uh, and this is an opportunity for them. When you look at expectations, you know, wh- when we started out this season, I think that our goal was, you know, simply for this women's basketball team to make the postseason, to make the NCAA tournament. Then once they found themselves in the top ten. Adam, you know, you know, winning the regular, you know, winning a share of the regular season crown of the Big 12 conference, then we're starting to think, hey, could this team possibly make a run into the second weekend of March Madness Could they make it to the Sweet 16? Judging by the layout of their of their side of the bracket, Adam, Sweet 16 is probably as, well, not probably, will be as far as this team could possibly go when you've got uh number one in undefeated 32-0 South Carolina waiting for you pr- probably uh, uh, in that Sweet 16 matchup. So Oklahoma. Figure out a way to win two games this weekend, give yourself an outside chance to, you know, be the Cinderella squad this year. Uh, to, to take on South Carolina, it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. But uh, again, we've said it week in and week out: you can't give this uh, this coaching staff, especially Jenny Bronchek, uh this senior class, you know, led by Taylor Robertson, Maddie Williams, Anna Ayanusa, uh what they've done to this, you know, this women's basketball program program kind of changing the standard changing the culture changing what we come to expect of this team when we watch and perform i hope that they can continue that this weekend
0: definitely and i think you bring up a good point in regards to yeah they're not playing any more big 12 teams for the second time or third time around
1: yes and so
0: i think that will be actually very good especially against portland and potentially against ucla ucla was a team that um they Did pretty well in the Pac-12 tournament, beat Stanford, beat some other uh, tournament teams along the way there. Uh, But the first time around, they pretty much lost to all those teams uh, in in regular season play. So I think that could bode well for OU's chances potentially to pull an upset there in UCLA's building. But yeah, the ceiling there is get to the Sweet 16 Mm -hmm. and just... Pray that you can keep it somewhat close with the Gamecocks from South Carolina. Um, you know they're they're a great team, so I think well, that's kind and, of the ceiling there.
1: Well, and Adam, and I'll put a bow on this. I mean the the X factor. You know what could be you know the the true difference maker for this OU team. Is the three point shot. You know, when this team is firing on all cylinders, when they're making shots consistently from beyond the arc, you know, they can play with anybody in America, maybe outside of the top three or four teams. So if they can figure out a way to shoot the basketball well this weekend, I give Oklahoma a really good shot uh, to advance to the second weekend in March.
0: Yeah. And Taylor Robertson is one that Big 12 teams are so familiar playing against that I think they're able to limit her a lot better than maybe some other teams might be. Uh, it's not like she's going to catch anyone su- by surprise. She's known nationally uh, by everyone. She holds a, a national record, but I think it's just different knowing uh, and versus playing against someone and having that experience there and what teams you know do to uh, to try to limit her. So um, mm-hmm. I think that is a pathway. So I, it's kind of difficult to talk a little bit about softball, but uh, it's certainly you know a spotlight sport that we need to discuss. Um, and, and I say it's difficult to talk softball because. As we're recording, the the result of tonight's game against Florida State still unknown. It's top of the fifth. OU's got a one-run lead. Um, been a tight game, 5-4 so far. But we're roughly halfway through the season at this point. OU's played a ton of good teams. Kentucky uh, right now uh, in that top 10 range, playing Florida State, already run-ruled UCLA. Um, but there's still a lot of quality programs that you've got coming up in the second half of the season. you got a series at home against Texas. You've got Baylor in Waco, a team that um, looks like they're, they're the pesky team. The only team that's beaten OU so far this year. And then you Mm -hmm. finish the year uh, right around May 3rd, 4th, 5th timeframe with a series on the road against now number two, Oklahoma state who just took a weekend series Mm -hmm. at home against Florida state, uh, which that one might be one of the craziest ticket prices we may have ever seen for a softball game, Oh my, uh, which is kind of crazy that we might get a one, two matchup there, but um how are you feeling i guess so far halfway through the season
1: pretty much the same as i always do adam i think that you know by far and away this is the best team in collegiate software right now especially when you start talking about a you know, who's going to possibly beat this team two games out of three? I just simply don't see that at this point right now, especially if this team is able to stay healthy. You know, if Nicole May, uh, Alex DiRocco, and Jordy Balk, you know, continue to stay focused and continue to pitch well. Uh, obviously, as Oklahoma, you know, goes into the bottom of the fifth right now, uh, Alex DiRocco, you know, giving up four runs. You know, Oklahoma currently sitting right now with a 5-4 lead going into the bottom of the fifth. gotten some really good play. Uh, it's kind of been an up and down uh, performance from the lineup through the first five innings, but Oklahoma has gotten some timely hitting. Uh, you know, the last two trips throughout the lineup from uh, from Haley Lee, who's got a home run uh, and an RBI double. Owen oh, and T. R. A. Jennings, who also has a home run and an RBI single. So uh, timely hitting, figuring out a way, I think, for Oklahoma to close this thing out, get a top 10 win on your home field against Florida state, give you some momentum going into the tournament up in Oklahoma city this weekend, just keep building, keep, you don't want to peak too soon. I don't know if peaking is a phrase that we can, you know, truly uh, associate with OU softball. They play lights out from start to finish year in and year out, but, uh, figure out a way uh, to close this thing out uh, tonight. And, you know, Adam, one of the things that I do like that Oklahoma is currently in a five, four dogfight with, uh, with Florida state, um, Patty talked about it you know early in the broadcast tonight, how she wants her team to be battle tested she wants to her team to experience what it's like to you know not win a game you know ten to nothing or eight to one to find yourself where it is the fifth and sixth innings or the championship innings where you know you've got to you've got to be the team that gets the critical out you've got to be the team that gets the timely hit so Um, I think that what this team is going through right now uh, against Florida State, it's only going to pay dividends for them once you get into Big 12 conference play and once you get into the postseason stretch.
0: I was trying to think of like the angle of discussion point on softball. Like, What is the question? And and I was like, well, there really isn't one. There's no question. There's no angle. It's kind of in some ways – don't get me wrong. It's very exciting to watch this team but the storylines behind like them is, is kind of boring in a sense, in a good way, in a good way, yeah, because right. there's not really drama. Like we, we know they're going to be probably the number one overall seed. Uh, mm-hmm. They're going to have no problem getting to Oklahoma city. Um, we're kind of beyond them losing in super regionals because they're just going to play all their games at home. Um, and I think really the more interesting question is, can OSU take two out of three against this team in Stillwater? Um, and I know that the stats are pretty different. I know that they don't have the same type of pitching that OU does as it stands today. Nicole May I don't think has given up an earned run all year, and uh, you know there's this pitching staff is probably the best we've ever seen. And the hitting doesn't seem to have lost you know much of a step. The run ruling top ten UCLA top ten uh, Kentucky at this point. Mm-hmm. So I know that this team is is vastly superior to Oklahoma State in some ways, but you can't underestimate playing on the road in a hostile environment in some way. So uh, I'm curious to see, you know, I think that's kind of my biggest question uh, for the rest of the season is how does that series turn out?
1: Well, and I think, too, Adam, this year could be a lot different than what we've seen from previous seasons uh, with OU softball, not from, you know, nothing with regards to, you know, Oklahoma taking a step back or Oklahoma not being as good. You know, this team is elite. They're the number one country, number one team in the country by far and away for a reason. But I think that this is this is a year in 2023 where you're essentially you're not just simply waiting for the Super Regions. You're simply not waiting for Oklahoma to make their way to Oklahoma City, you know, for the College World Series to start. The Big 12, man, you've got three teams in the top 15 in Oklahoma State, in Texas, in Baylor, that Oklahoma's going to have to, you know, go on the road for two of those three series. So you're going to get a lot more competition – in the Big 12 this year than I think what Oklahoma is used to uh, over the last five to ten years. So I think it's going to be a really, really good challenge. And like I said, you're going to see this team get battle tested. That way, once you show up in Super Regionals, once you show up in Oklahoma City, you're ready to go. You've seen everything uh, that you could possibly face up to that point in the season. I think it's going to be really good. And uh, as we sit here, bottom of the fifth, Oklahoma got the first two runners on base, uh, two on, no out. Uh, with uh, can't see it right now. It looks like Riley Boone coming to the plate. We'll see if Oklahoma can put up a crooked number here uh, and kind of bust this thing wide open.
0: Still a chance to run rule. We'll see what happens. But hey. um, I think that's that's going to do it for us this evening. We appreciate everyone uh, making us a part of your routine each week and, and listening here at the Mainline Podcast. Uh, if you enjoy us on YouTube, make sure to, to find us there. Subscribe by searching the Mainline Podcast and. Uh, give us a review uh, wherever you listen to this podcast. We greatly appreciate that. And of course, following us on Twitter as well at The Mainline Pod. Uh, Until next week, uh, when we see everyone, have a great week and uh, we'll see everyone next week for another episode of The Mainline Podcast.